Bienvenidos a La Rosa Chronicles. Welcome to La Rosa Chronicles. En este programa, on today's show, we are going to feature an exciting new collaboration with our Bay Area's own Acción Latinos Radio Tecolote. That Radio Teco, it's a new project that launches that is going to feature stories similar to El Tecolote, the country's oldest bilingual newspaper, award-winning newspaper. So we're going to get to feature some exciting stories, some voices that otherwise would not be highlighted. And we're going to kick off this partnership with an interview with Monty Rossetti, who is the director of audiovisual at Acción Latina, and Alexis Terrazas, who's the award-winning editor-in-chief of El Tecolote. So we'll start off with an interview with them, and then we're going to dive into hearing one of their recent interviews with someone who recently was fighting COVID. As we know, our folks, our Latinx folks, are disproportionately impacted. And so we're going to hear directly from someone talking about their battle with COVID. And we want to make sure to give a shout out. So International Women's Day and Women's Month is el mes de las mujeres. Viva la mujer y todas las maneras, all the ways that women work for a more just and peaceful world. So thank you so much for joining us. Te agradecemos mucho por estar con nosotros. Stay tuned. Don't miss this. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Kuznir. And today we are so lucky to have our friends, allies, co-conspirators. We are so lucky to have team from Acción Latina, from El Tecolote. We have um, Monty, who's the editor of AV, which is everything audiovisual. And we have Alexis Terrazas, who's the editor of all the things, I believe. <laughs> you make El Tecolote happen. Award-winning editor and journalist who has been exposing everything from our local white supremacy to highlighting and lifting up our important community leaders. So muchísimas gracias a ustedes dos for being here with us and talking to us about your exciting projects. No, gracias. No, gracias. Let's start off by hearing about this really incredible step you all are taking into the world of storytelling through audio. So tell us what that's all about and what you all are envisioning in terms of where you're going. No, yeah, this is uh, an exciting project. The pressure, I guess, I, I guess with with Alexis and their and their dream of of getting this this podcast running is there. It's real because this is an amazing idea that they've had of of getting this digital arm of the newspaper and just kind of getting the, the voice out there for the Latin American community based on the mission and beyond. And just kind of just trying to share their stories. We're doing a news series where we can make sure everybody's heard, but then we also educate people of the rich diversity within the Latin American culture. Yeah, and just to add upon that, Monty, you know, as some of our readers may know, last year we, we celebrated, you know, 50 years, the newspaper celebrated you know, our 50th anniversary. That's five decades worth of, you know, community journalism. But, you know, this this project has been in the making for so long. I remember Josue Rojas, who was our executive director at the time, just kind of whispered it into existence. He's like, wouldn't it be great if we can have like our own audio radio show and and lo and behold you know years later we were actually able to put the pieces in place you know hiring monty who who took this project really by the horns and and made it a reality and as you know both of you here on this call our folks throughout latin america have this really deep you know storytelling tradition you know the passing down of oral histories and we felt that this medium was really much needed in terms of documenting our stories, sticking up for our communities, and just the act of just kind of empowering somebody to just voice out their own stories. 
is is really what you know inspired this project to uh to happen yeah so we'll be dropping new episodes every every monday and uh and the goal is to have you know uh, while most of our so far content will be in english we do want to uh really not forget uh, our bilingual roots and uh, so some of our episodes will be in spanish or spanglish so uh, we're really looking forward to to sharing our stories with our people that is the voice of Alexis Terrazas. We are talking to the amazing team that is Acción Latina, El Tecolote, Naos Radio Tecolote, this beautiful project that we are collaborating with. La Raza Chronicles is so excited to partner with you all. But really, we want people to stay connected and to hear every episode as it drops. So how can they do that? How can they really catch all those episodes, make sure they don't miss a thing, and hear these interviews and hear these stories that they wouldn't be able to hear elsewhere. Yeah, our podcast is on every podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of them. But then you can also go to eltecolote.org and then click the podcast tab that we have there. Uh, and then you can see the, the Radio Teco shows up as an option there. And we'll have all of our podcasts there for you. So yeah, we hope everybody can, can enjoy it whenever they uh, find convenient. And so a lot of people, they have been reading El Tecolote forever. They really value the essential bilingual reporting that is truly groundbreaking and is super unique and, and essential to our Bay Area to cover stories that really only you all cover. So tell us about some of the types of stories that you all foresee covering using this radio, audio, storytelling medium. Well, I mean, as we all know, it's it's quite a balance like if if you take a look at the newspaper you know the goal with every newspaper is to to strike this balance of of hard-hitting local uh local news journalism but also arts and culture right because we know that stories aren't just told in the written form they're told via poetry they're told via murals you know so i think the goal with this podcast is to to reflect the uh, the mission and the content that you know the the newspaper has always produced so it's really anything and everything you know so right now as as we just unfortunately hit this milestone in this country of you know and i know this this probably will change when people hear it but 500,000 deaths due to covid so two of our first news episodes will focus on on that one of them just recently aired uh, one of uh, our upcoming news episodes will actually will be interviewing a, a custodian who works in the COVID ward at SF General, you know, because we felt like those are stories. And really, that story, I think, embodies a lot of different things in that we want to uplift stories that, you know, traditionally would fall through the cracks. <laughs> I think a lot of us have experienced like COVID fatigue, but it's really important to to document these stories that you know, that do fall by the wayside. Uh, but we don't want it all to be doom and gloom. You know, we definitely want to, you know, show what various artists in our community are doing. You know, one of our um, episodes coming up is is highlighting the uh, the Caravana exhibit that's uh, that's opening up at Soma Arts in March called uh, Mobilizing Central American Art 1984 to the Present. We also, uh, one of my favorite interviews, Monte, if I could tease it a little bit, mm -hmm. is the, uh, the one with the uh, Afro-Panameño uh, rapper uh, Rakadun, who is uh, based in, uh, in Oakland. And uh, we kind of explore his career, his motivations, his inspirations, but also look at his art, which, uh, and his latest, one of his latest singles called Libertad, you know, which really, uh, it's, a, it's a call to, to unity, especially after the, uh, the summer of, of 2020, where 
we saw all these different uprisings uh, happening in in the streets, you know, where people were were demanding, not no longer asking, right, but demanding justice for for the bodies that uh, that were taken in the streets due to law enforcement. So you can expect a lot of different a lot of different things, you know. But I think when people tune in, our goal is for it to be expect to hear the stories of people who historically haven't been heard no i i i mean i i agree with everything alexis is saying there and and um obviously i'm biased but um yeah we have a lot of upcoming episodes that i'm excited about i think one of the main focuses too of our our podcast series is we want to we want to connect with spanish speakers english speakers and bilingual speakers in in whatever way one of the things we want to do also is a monthly recap in spanish of the the major uh, news stories that El Tocolote, the newspaper, published, and we just want to make sure that we're, you know, we're we're keeping to those roots of of connecting. One of the ideas we actually have as well is to do kind of a Radio Teco Instagram live where we just answer questions and just have a conversation, honestly, with with everybody that wants to tune in and and kind of just be there with us. But yeah, this is kind of just it's the amazing history um, that this newspaper has had. And already the the stories and, and kind of just standing firm in its ground of, of trying to be kind of a, a proactive newspaper, trying to shed light on stories that don't really get a lot of attention or an, an, an angle that doesn't get a lot of attention. We want to make sure we do that this, the same in an audio form and, and stay true to this, uh, this legendary newspaper's history. So we've been speaking to Monty and Alexis. They are some of the brains and coordination behind this powerful storytelling medium. And so we're excited that people can listen in and not just read these incredible stories and they can actually hear the voices of the people that they've been reading quotes from. So that's really, really exciting. We're going to launch today's our first time being able to partner and share an episode from Radio Teco, so people can definitely, definitely recommend subscribing as quickly as possible, all the ways you get your podcasts, and you can stay tuned to everything that comes out from Radio Teco, but we're going to actually be able to share with you an interview today, so you all kind of gave some context already on this interview, so that's that gives people a sense of what they're about to hear, but I think just let's give people oh, the reminder again, I think there are people who maybe the connection between Acción Latina, El Tecolote, like it's a little confusing to them. So if we could just remind people again, how do they connect to all the important work you all are doing? How can they pick up physical papers? How can they stay connected to these stories? Definitely. So, so Acción Latina is the uh, the nonprofit that that publishes El Tecolote, and it's been uh, it's been thriving since the uh, the nineteen eighties. The, the the nonprofit, the newspaper, actually predates the nonprofit, as as many of uh, you know. The the business of running a newspaper is is a difficult one, and and unfortunately, we've seen many newspapers go go under. So, uh, one of our models to sustain uh, the newspaper is to keep it publishing by the nonprofit, you know, so, so that's kind of the, uh, the connection there, but how people can, can continue to, uh, to support, it's really, you know, just continuing to do what, you know, our community has been there doing for the last 50 years, like this work would be impossible to do uh, without our people power. And, you know, some people might not know this, but we are a volunteer publication, meaning that, we're a free newspaper, but you know we uh, our our contributors, our, our writers, our photographers, our illustrators, our translators, are all volunteer. All take time and dedicate it towards this wonderful publication. So, if anybody is is interested, 
you know, in, in collaborating or contributing, you know, however you can. And it could be, it doesn't, doesn't have to be like, you know, multiple stories or multiple translations. It could just be whatever you can, you can provide, you know, you can contact us at uh, editor at eltecolote.org. Of course, you can visit our, our website to check out our content. We're always taking uh, donations. You know, you can buy subscriptions. Uh, and so just subscribe to our newsletter as well. And just stay tuned and um, on all of our uh, social media platforms as well, where you can keep up with, with all of our news, you know. And uh, No, I mean, I, I also that includes if anybody's interested in, in helping us out with our podcast. Um, if We're always down to find people that can help us level up our the, the quality of our sound and our voices and our storytelling. And, and honestly, like I said, this is a community project. So even the podcast, we want to make sure people, they want to reach out and, and let us know um, either if they have a story or if they kind of want to, you know, uh, work with us, uh, volunteer with us in, in however way or form. Bienvenidos a Radio Teco. Yes, welcome to Radio Teco. My name is Monty Rossetti, and I'm here with Alexis Terrazas, editor-in-chief of El Teco Lote. Alexis, actually, my first question is, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm blessed. Um, I got my health. Um, I'm doing uh, a job that I love, man. Uh, storytelling. Being a journalist is something that I've always wanted to be, and I'm just mad excited, Monty, that we're stepping into this realm, uh, this long uh, long overdue realm of of digital storytelling you know as you know man uh, you're you're argentino I'm, I'm mexicano you know our, our people have like a real long history real deep history of, of oral storytelling right that's a tradition you know and for us to be able to you know take 50 years worth of community journalism and to be able to put it on this type of medium and platform means everything so i'm good no, that's 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 a perfect answer. I love that. And again, I agree with you. I'm excited to to start this series uh, and and just in a small way being a part of this historic newspaper, uh, being the digital arm of a of a legendary newspaper. So thank you for letting me be on board uh, for this amazing project that hopefully our listeners also appreciate and like. And we're here to listen to our listeners as well. Uh, give us any kind of feedback. Be on our show. We want to do it all. Uh, but this episode, our first episode, is going to be about COVID, which is a, a, a topic from last year, this year, and many years to come. Uh, talk to us, Alexis, about who our first guest is uh, for this series. Our first guest is Alejandro Galicia Diaz. Um, Alejandro, uh, born in Mexico, but raised here in, in, in California, the Bay Area. And he's been, um, he's been, he's actually not just a colleague. I would actually consider him uh, a, a friend. You know, he's been shooting, he's a photographer uh, with El Tecolote. Um, he's been shooting as long as I've been here since 2014. And when I heard news that he had actually gotten sick, um, I believe it was in April of 2020, you know, my, I mean, I got scared. Like this is, this is my homie. And, 
you know, thankfully he he's better. And, um, you know, with, with everything that we've seen, everything from like the mishandling of the pandemic from like the highest office in this country, right. The executive branch to, to our people, like being still the hardest hit by this virus. Uh, I felt it was imperative to, to get Alejandro on and to just share his story. No, and I'm happy you did. I'm, 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 uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Alejandro. Uh, this was uh, the first part of an uh, interview that we did with him back in early December. Uh, so here, have a listen. So we have our first guest here, Alejandro Galicia Diaz. Alejandro, first off, how are you doing? And thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. I am um, doing much better. Uh, recovery, it's a long process. It's not as easy as people think. Um, everyone's bodies react differently to the virus. But I would say that mentally, I, you know, I'm still getting there. But physically, I, I, I feel like much, much better than 34 weeks ago. Yeah, that's that. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. And, and actually, my, my first question is, what was your reaction when you first found out that you had COVID? Well, getting to that moment was crazy. Um, I, it all started around my mom's birthday, around April 8th. I started feeling fatigued, and I had this dry cough. I, you know, we were celebrating. It was just my, my parents and I. And I ended up um, just laying down on, on their bed. And I just, you know, I'm on, I'm on my phone. And I, I'm coughing, I'm coughing. I have this dry cough, and uh, I didn't think much of it. A few days passed, and uh, I just, this fatigue, I, I couldn't even take two steps. Um, I remember it was April 11th, and it was on a Saturday, I think, and, and um, I just spent the whole day in bed. And I don't do that. I, I, I like being active. I like, you know, doing things. And uh, it progressed. It just slowly progressed to um, uh, stomach issues um, and then uh, a fever. And I ended up uh, that week, that Thursday, going to the to the ER. And um, they tested me for COVID, I think, around three times. And I tested negative. Um, I was, yeah, it was, it was really odd. I'm in the arm. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, weak and, and they just get, you know, they, they gave me a prescription to go pick it up and I took the meds and it got worse. It just got worse. I, you know, I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. It, it was just like a twilight zone episode. Uh, I'm seeing myself just deteriorate and, um, I, uh, my fever got up to 103 and I, you know, I call my doctor. He, he's not around. He takes the, the, the message. Uh, he gets back to me cause I'm, I'm at this point, I'm at another clinic getting a test done. And, 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 um, he says, you know what, you need to go to the ER to be admitted. And I, you know, this is all just happening and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm weak. I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't know what's going on. Right. 
I go, I, I, um, I get dropped off from my family to, to the, uh, uh, the ER. There's two ERs. There's the regular ER and then there's the COVID ER. And at that point, you know, I'm, you know, there's like two people ahead of me. I, I, I don't have the energy to stand in line. So I just sit on this like block, I think. And, um, um, it's my turn. I go in and it's the ER, the, the, you know, it, it, it's a rough place, you know, and you know, they're doing all these tests, you know, they are checking my, uh, oxygen levels, which are very low at that point. Anything under 95 you know, is low. And I was at 85, uh, 85. And the doctor comes in and she's like, you have COVID. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be okay. And then they, you know, they go ahead and tell me you're, you're going to have to stay here. And it, it got worse. It, it, it got worse. Coughing nonstop. Um, diarrhea, you know, everything. It just, it all hit me at once at that point. Um, and it didn't really hit me until I, uh, you know, I see all these nurses and doctors come in and they, they literally look like astronauts covered and in suits. And you're just like, wow, like there's something wrong with you. You know, you have like death inside of you to the point where, you know, they don't want, you know, they need to be protected. And, um, that's where it hit me. And the nurse, uh, starts asking me these questions. Uh, what's your religion? You know, she's writing them down. Uh, sort of like who's going to, you know, have the, the, the last, who's going to make the last decisions for you if, in case you can't. And, um, that that was rough. Um, um yeah. Um I'm at that point thinking I'm not gonna see my family again. And that was rough. That's when it really hit me. Yeah. Alejandro, yeah, and um you know, you are uh, an active person, you know, somebody who's really active on social media, we should say too, um, you are an award winning uh, photojournalist, and we're working at ABC seven, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. while this was happening. Um, and you know, you're a journalist, so you probably saw all the news reports early on, right, saying, yeah. you know, hey, this is something and you probably saw these memes that were like, this is the boomer doomer virus. So basically saying that only old people, right, or should be worried or susceptible you know, um, you're, you're our age. So tell us real quick, like how old are you? You're in your thirties, right? Early, 34. early 30? How old are you? 34. 30, 34, yeah. man. And so like, you know, what was the, the, I guess what I'm asking, um, you know, did you, when you were like reading these reports early on, did you think like, you know, wow, like this, this happened to me, like a young person and to hit you as hard as it did, um, uh, if you could share, I mean, you already shared some of that, but, um, you know, What's your message, I guess, to to young folks that still, you know, didn't take this seriously and who are still not taking it seriously? It's 
it's a slap in the face, you know. Um, I get the um, well, the 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 ninety five, ninety nine point five survival rate quote, and uh, what they don't understand is the the effects that that virus has on you afterwards. It's not just you, you know, you get out of the hospital and you're fine. Um, what happened to me? So I was in the ER, in the ICU for two weeks, and, uh, I, you know, they did the test again, negative, and I went home, and two days later, I had to go back to the hospital, to the ER. I had this really intense, sharp stomach uh, pain, and uh, it was messy, it was bloody, and... Uh, it turned out I developed a blood blood clot on the left left side of my um, colon from COVID. And what I, what I would tell people is that COVID is serious. You know, it's it's you know it 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 does affect you physically, but physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Afterwards, you know, um, and. For me, it's been a long journey. You know, I've ha I've had to see, th you know, seek therapy because uh, it's hard. You know, it, you know, you're a healthy, yeah, you're a healthy person. You're active, and then suddenly, all of that is taken away from you, and it it um it hurts. It hurts, and I would tell people, be careful. It's not a joke. Take it serious. Uh, my body reacted this way. Yours might be different, but why chance it, you know, you could infect others, you know, I infected my parents, my parent, my, my dad is a cancer survivor, living with um, MS, multiple sclerosis, and uh, he's diabetic, he is one of the lucky people who, who survived it, but there are others who haven't, you know, and my mom is what, she, she, she got sick, um, but uh, why chance it, there's no reason to, um, it, it's, there's images that I wish I could just erase from my mind when, from, you know, from what I saw in the ICU, people tubed up, uh, people, um, uh, there was an, um, my room was, uh, there was a glass wall and you could see everything and then there was another room and, um, I, you know, there was an older person and they, you know, you can't have family in there. So, you know, they would bring an iPad and, you know, that's the only way, you know, that they would be able to communicate, communicate. I don't know if they're saying their goodbyes, but it just, it's just, there's a lot of things you don't want to deal with when, or you, you want to forget when you, when you have this virus. So now we're in the middle of our second lockdown. Do you see us here in San Francisco or in California more prepared this time around? Or in your opinion, is it, do you think people have the same mentality as uh, they did in the first lockdown, which is kind of what Alexis was alluding to, where people just thought, if you're older, like it's, it's gonna affect older people. I'm young and I should be good. I can go out and, and celebrate the holidays or do whatever I want. I think we're worse off, honestly. Um, 
one of the things I like doing, you know, I, I, I avoid people, but one of the things that I enjoy is driving around. And when I drive around, you know, I see people celebrating, watching, you know, like watching football games, you know, um, at bars and stuff like that. And it's just, it, it, it's mind boggling how they, you know, we live or they're living uh, like nothing's happening. And it's just, I think to myself, man, it is not worth it. You know, it is not worth it. Um, just hold off for a little bit. You know, it's, you're putting your life at risk. You're putting your loved ones at risk. And for what, you know, just to hang out with friends, to have a beer, that can wait, you know, that, that can wait. And, um, it, it, you know, it just, it's a slap in faces of doctors, nurses, who uh, are putting their lives on the line. And I, I think I read somewhere where Filipinos were, were uh, being affected. You know, a lot of the nurses in there are Filipinos. And they were they were angels to me. They were the, the ones who comforted me when I was having a panic, panic attack in there. Or, you know, they clean, you know, cleaning me up. And you're putting, you're, you know, it's like a slap in, in, in their faces, you know, so when, when you go out and when you go out and, and, and have fun, you know, or worse off. Yeah, Alejandro, that statistic, man, uh, I, I read it, I just think the other day, I think it was um, like a quarter, no, no, a third of all uh, nursing like deaths, like deaths amongst nurses, uh, a third of those are Filipino, uh, Filipino nurses. And even though I think Filipino nurses make up only 4% of the entire, you know, nursing population, I mean, that is just ridiculous. Um, I'm curious, man, um, how have what's I mean, we hear about like, I guess there's this term called like the long haulers, right? People yeah. who who are so, so, you know, supposedly recovered, but there's still a lot of issues uh, lingering. Um, if you want to share some yeah. of uh, what your journey has been like after so-called like you know, supposedly recovering. You know, yeah. um, virus. It, it has been intense. Um, it went from um, a rash to um, my hair falling off, to my skin just being, just acting really weird. Um, what else? Um, memory loss. People think it's, it's you know, it's a respiratory issue virus. It's also neuro neurological. Uh, me memory loss, um, fatigue, uh, things that I could do, like, I, you know, things that I, you know, I could do, I sometimes get, really tired physically um um depression kicks in it, it's it's horrible when you don't want to get out of bed you know just because you don't want to deal with anything you rather just sleep it all off uh anxiety um we uh, painful um palpitations uh, that's scary because you think, you know, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm about to have a heart attack. <laughs> so I better, I better just, you know, you know, uh, call my family and or friends and be, Hey, I love you. And you know, before you get a heart attack, um, that that's scary. Um, I've been, I had a cough that lasted around four months after, you know, 
re recovery. Um, body twitching. That's that's really uh, annoying because you can't control it. You know, it just happens. Uh, and uh, yeah, stuff like that. And 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 when people say, well, it's Again, 95, 99.5%, you know, survival rate. Well, yeah, but you're ignoring that there's this long tail of, you know, effects that this virus has. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been dealing uh, with. And luckily, I, you know, I, I uh, was able to get a therapist who's helped me, you know, along this journey as well. And and my and my my family who who have been there for me, um, I know that I couldn't do this by myself. I I, I know, I just I wouldn't been able to. What's your your opinion on this uh, new vaccine that we're on the verge of being approved on uh, approved of? Uh, they're already, um, I mean, as of December eleventh, they're already passing them out in Europe, and they're on the verge of of uh, approving it here in the United States. What's your opinion on on this vaccine? For me personally, it, it can't get any worse. You know, I have been through hell and back, so I I, I would I'm gonna take it. Um, and I um, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for that to happen here in the city, and uh, yeah, I'll be in line to take that. I'm curious, Alejandro. Uh, few things, man, two things really specifically. Um, you said you got your parents sick and in a conversation that we had uh, personally, um, you said that, uh, you know, your father surviving is a miracle, you know, yeah. with him being, you know, having MS and being diabetic. Um, what was the recovery process like for, uh, for your, for your parents? And, uh, and what got you through this pandemic? I mean, a lot of us who are healthy, right, who haven't gotten sick or over here complaining about this or that, dude. So I'm wondering how you, as somebody who's been through hell and back, um, you know, how did you handle like getting, how are you getting through this? And you could answer whichever order yeah. you like. They recovered. I didn't know that they got sick until after the fact. I think I would have tried to escape that hospital to be with them. They didn't want to let me know. So that I can focus on my recovery when I was in in, in ICU, um, they 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 were weak, they were uh, physically weak, and they they were in bed for three days, um, but uh, they recovered. My mom had had also like COVID, um, short you know shortness of breath. Um, but uh, they they managed, you know that that was a miracle, you know. I still think they they surviving it was more of a miracle than than me, you know. But uh, that they recovered, um, they got their sense of taste back, and, and the fever was gone within two days. Um, so that yeah, their recovery was was quicker than mine. They you know my mom still deals with a little bit of shortness of breath, but you know she's getting better. And, um, well, I'm sorry. What was the other question? Yeah. Like so many of us are like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't do that. How am I getting through this? So like, you know, we're all yeah. finding creative ways to get through it, but somebody like oh, you, sure. man, who, uh, yeah. How are you, um, you know, how are you getting through this? <laughs> I find things to do. Um, just yesterday I finished a uh, 500 puzzle, you know, you know, <laughs> um, painting, um, 
I bought a classical guitar, um, playing that, uh, keeping uh, up with sports, you know, when I like uh, soccer, uh, Italian soccer. Um, yeah, just keeping busy, going for drives, you know, um, stuff like that. And you have to try and keep saying you have to, you know, you have to do the best you can. Otherwise, your your mind just goes crazy. And I've been there within the first few weeks. You know, you're just, you know, trying to recover. Um, but then after that, you know, yeah, you have to just keep keep busy. I I um decided to take some courses, uh, classical guitar lessons and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's how I, I sort of try and forget about everything. And, and, and as a journalist, you know, I, uh, you, you have to keep, you know, in you know, tabs of everything that's going on, but I'll also just turning off the news, not reading anything for a while. Uh, otherwise you're, you're going to go nuts, you know, you're going to go nuts. So, what is your opinion on the fact that sports are still being played and the fact that here in the United States during the first lockdown, it was no sports. We're shutting everything down. Let's take this somewhat seriously, as seriously as we can. Now we're in the second lockdown. We're having numbers worse than we had in the first lockdown. But here we're about to start a new NBA season. We're in the middle of an NFL season. The NHL still deciding when they're going to start their season. Uh, MLS is still going on. And baseball is in the middle of not being in their season. But for those that don't, uh, don't remember, the Dodgers unfortunately won. And Justin Turner had COVID when yeah. he won it and still came out to celebrate. So what is your, your opinion on sports and its relationship with, uh, with COVID this year? Um, first off, I don't know why you uh, brought that Dodgers victory. That just <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. That that hurts. But no, sorry. I, um, I said unfortunately. <laughs> no, you did. You did. Um, honestly, I I um, as someone who needs some sort of entertainment going on right now, yes, it's cool. Yes, have play games. I you know we also have to remember these are people you know, with families and, and, and yes, they have the best medical attention. They get tested every other day and stuff like that. Um, that's hard to answer. Really. I, I, part of me is, you know, keep playing for my entertainment, but no, I, part of me also says, you know, you know, you're putting your life at risk for us. Um, it's all about money, unfortunately, and they're not going to stop um playing these games um it's all about profit and uh i my best answer i i can give you is i wish they would just hold it off for a little bit longer uh and i hope that this vaccine and you know some somewhat somewhat alleviates everything that's going on right now um but yeah that's that's a that's a rough question to answer i yeah. No. Yeah. No. I've 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 just been curious, just because I've worked in sports for so long, yeah. and yeah, I I agree with you. Like it is that distraction, but 
I do see it, it is. I mean, mainly about money. That's the reason yeah. why. That's the reason why when Jacob Blake was uh, was shot by the police and the NBA was about to go into a like LeBron and Kawhi were like, we're not going to play. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up turning around because of money. Um, and that's and that wasn't even about COVID. But I, yeah, no, I, I just wanted to see what your opinion was uh, about the whole thing. And, and I completely agree with you. It's it's you know, it's rough also for reporters. And, you know, it, it, I, you know, at, at Channel 7, you know, you have Larry Beale who's sitting, you know, and there's nothing to cover. It's, it's rough, you know? Uh, so yeah, I saw that also, uh, that, that, that angle that, you know, as reporters, sports reporters, it's also rough, you know, and, and, and this virus really just, uh, stopped everyone. Yeah. You know, it just completely just messed everything up. Um, physically, uh, economically job wise, it, it, it's like, can you go away already? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And um, I only got a few. I think it probably like this yeah. last one here, Alejandro. Um, and my fault if it's a little clickbaity. But, um, you know, we saw like you're somebody, um, you know, you, you've written for us before to um, kind of like expressing who you are uh, and whatnot. Right. Um, you know, you're somebody who's born in Mexico, uh, you know, came to this country right uh, while you were young. Um and of course, you know, we heard in, in 2015, right, when the current president launched his campaign, you know, that these people are, you know, doing this, bringing that. Um, he gets COVID, gets the best kind of treatment there is, you know, um, while people, you know, such as yourself, you know, and, and ordinary uh, Americans are getting, you know, you have, you know, they're, they're dealing with nurses that have to sometimes have trash bags on as, as PPE. You know, um, what was your reaction, I guess, um, you know, when when he got sick and and the care, the socialized care that he got, you know, uh, when that happened, if you if you have a response to that, my my fault. I know it's clickbaity, but I just <laughs> um, sometimes I question his diagnosis. Um, I, I, I really do wonder if, if, if he got it, because I know that even if you get it maybe not as strong as I did maybe lighter than, than like my parents did uh, they you know they deal with or at least my mom has dealt with with uh, you know long COVID maybe not as strong as mine but I, you know I do question if he ever got it if, if uh, he did in fact get it um, I wish him recovery I'm uh but um, yeah, it's rough, you know, when when you see someone who 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 is um better off, I guess, you know, financially, you know, he's the leader of the free world, get all this treatment, and and you see other folks who are you know struggling, you know, who 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 can um barely put food on their table or or, or don't have the same sources that he does, uh to to recover that's yeah i i still question if you ever got it i don't think you did (laughs) (laughs) i i don't think so but hey you know no yeah um i think that's 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 every that's all the questions i had uh alejandro galicia diaz thank you so much for sharing your stories um I can't even say I know it's tough because I didn't experience it, but I, I mean, I can't even imagine what your 2020 has been. So 
honestly, the next time I hear somebody else that didn't deal with COVID be like, I'm so over 2020, I'll be like, well, you should listen to this podcast and listen to Alejandro Galicia. Alejandro has the right to say he's over 2020, but thank you so much for being on, on this episode with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Gracias, Alejandro. Alexis, that was uh, an interview that I I learned a lot from, and I think it's something that I'm hoping the listeners also are able to learn something from somebody who experienced COVID. Um, again, I know there's different levels of of the blind blindness that people have had when it comes to COVID when you haven't had it. Uh, what did you think about that that interview, and and what do we have to to look forward to? In short, I thought it was very uh, very important and and necessary. I know. You know, being working as a journalist uh, in this industry, I, I I'm well aware of the fatigue, you know, COVID fatigue in media, right? People tired of of listening and hearing and reading about it, uh, but I really do feel like things have only gotten worse, you know, since we've obviously started reporting on this pandemic, and even since we uh, last interviewed Alejandro, you know. So I, you know, with us listening to to scientists and and health journalists, I feel like it's imperative for us to like any way that any way that we can really inspire and 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 you know whether it's an inspirational story or people just to like try to convince them to really take this seriously. Um, that's what we need to keep doing. You know, now is not the time to to establish and and to you know or to get fatigued. You know, so. But as you know, Monty, you know when. That interview took place in 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 December. Uh, my goodness, a lot has changed. <laughs> a lot has changed, and a lot has happened since then. And but uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, people across this country are still dying, and and, and pe- members of our communities are are still disproportionately impacted. Um, when we spoke to Alejandro, the vaccine was just kind of in its infancy, I guess you could say. Like in Europe, it had wasn't even. When even a discussion here in the U.S., uh, we have a new president, um, you know, uh, the vaccines are rolling out, even though there's some issue with that. Uh, and in our conversation here with Alejandro, which we're going to get into in a minute, he's going to talk about the different support groups um, that have helped him get through this um, and um, and his experience with receiving the vaccine. So let's have a listen. Alejandro, we last spoke with you. It was actually in December. Um, a lot has happened since then. Uh, tell us about, you know, how you've been, um, you know, in this last month and a half and, and the role that, you know, uh, what kind of support you've gotten to get you through this, um, through this time. Uh, I've, I've been good. I've been blessed. Um, you know, you have your, I have my moments where, you know, you, you know, you feel a little, desperation maybe because of the situation you know you can't like life isn't nor- isn't normal you can't go out um and uh but i've been good you know i i i i've been blessed i belong to this group on uh facebook called uh well two the long uh covid um support group and the covid brain club um one touches on everything, and then the the COVID one is on people who deal with uh, neurolo- neuro- neurological issues, and um, they uh, those two groups on Facebook they they they've helped me a lot. You know, um, whenever I'm dealing with something, I can go and, and vent, or I hear I hear 
where people vent uh, there as well. You know, just yesterday, someone was asking for, for prayer because uh, one of their family members was uh, being hospitalized and they, she gave us the update maybe two hours later and uh, he had passed away in the hospital. So, um, yeah, you, it's, it, it's like a family there. You know, you, we all talk about everything. No one's embarrassed. No one's shy. And uh, that that group has gotten me through a lot. You know, sometimes I'm scared. You know, this is happening happening to me. And then I'll, I'll go. I'll get on there, and um, someone will describe the same thing. And a lot of people will, you know, give advice. Um, oh, you'll be fine. Oh, take this. Don't take that. Talk to a doctor. You know. Um, so um, it's 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 been great. There are moments where you do need to take a break because it's. I was talking to my therapist about this yesterday. Um, you just need to get away from from everything, you know, and and um, it's for your well-being, you know, to avoid you know all this COVID talk. But um, overall, it's 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 helped me a lot uh, to get through. Right on, man, and. Um... One of the things that I remember, like as a kid, you know, going to uh, my father's in twelve step recovery, right, and they would have like the serenity prayer, you know, um, kind of like uh, a motto. Um, was there anything like that that uh, that is circulated within your your group, you know, right. like a, like something that you could like latch onto to to keep that hope even when there seems to be none? A lot of people on the group, including myself, we get frustrated with others who who don't get us. And, um, we, there's a saying, um, you don't get it until you get it. Uh, it means you don't understand what we're going through until you finally get it, you know, and not like, not that we're wishing anyone to get sick, but, um, we hold on to that, you know, and, and, um, it's really true, you know, just the other week, you know, as Latinos, people of color, we, we, you know, we see our numbers increasing you know people getting sick and just two weeks ago i was um at lucky's paying for my groceries and and you know i'm covered with my I, it's funny i look like uh i look like the, the mandalorian i i have like the the mask then i have a shield and then i have goggles and everything um but um there was a couple a latino couple older couple and you know how what you know, they can't get close to you until the the cashier register like they calls them over, and but they didn't they didn't want to wait I guess, and uh, the person the, the 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 lady puts her stuff and I I sort of extend my arm and like halt like wait hold up, she got offended, and uh, and then um, I you know I I assume she assumed that I couldn't understand Spanish. And she's just talking to her, you know, talking to her husband and talking all the smack, you know, like calling me a clown, all this and all that cuss words. And the husband's like, oh, I wish he would do that to me. And I very calmly, because I wanted to go off very calmly, turn around, tell them just a couple of months ago, I was in the hospital about to die. Um, uh, I had COVID and... Um, the, the the man was like, oh, no, I'm sorry, son. I, you know, I understand, I understand. And um, 
Yeah, it's true. Like they don't get no one gets it until you get it. And the, a lot of people think uh, downplay the virus. You know, they don't care. They don't want to take the precautions. And um, that's frustrating for us. You know, I think we're traumatized. We don't want to get reinfected again. And that's why we, we're, we're very cautious. And yeah, when people don't get it, it's just frustrating for us. But that's some that's a logo. That, that's some um, something that we that we uh, that, that we say in the group. Again, thank you for, for coming back and, and being on and, and talking a little bit more about uh, your experiences. Um, when we talked to you in December, it was before the vaccine was coming yeah. out. Uh, I think at the time it was only in Europe. And we talked about, you know, the pros and cons. And you said you were definitely going to take it. Uh, so now you do have you have had the, the first yeah, dose, correct? First dose. Two weeks ago. First dose. Um, two weeks ago. Cool. Yeah. And this is we're recording this at the end of January as well, uh, just for future uh, future purposes. Uh, what has been your experience since taking the vaccine? Have there been any pros and cons that you can, you can tell us about? Um, all right. So I, I got the vaccine two weeks ago on, on, on a Friday afternoon, 1 PM. I, um, it felt at first like my arm was like someone took a baseball bat and just smashed my arm and, uh, whatever, that was fine. And then that evening, my whole body started aching Saturday. Um, I couldn't get up. It was just extremely sore I needed help um, to, you know to get out of bed developed a light fever uh, a little headache but it all went away um, within 36 hours um, it, it is crazy I'll tell you why because as someone who had COVID you're sort of experiencing the same things right and uh, and um, and um, I, uh, I remember having a fever and thinking to myself, oh man, like just trying to calm myself, like this is not COVID. This is not this, you know, th this is just something else. And it gets a little, a little scary, but it's, it's, it's fine. It all goes away within two days. Um, and I would do it again. Well, I'm going to do it again in two weeks. Um, I was blessed to, to, to have uh, gotten the vaccine and, and I would recommend it. To, to people and um it's like you're not gonna you know your body isn't gonna change you're not gonna turn into an alien or anything um i i i, I hope uh, that our community can can you know read up on it understand what it is um i know that as a christian a lot of religious folks don't you know i run into this god will protect me god will you know and, you know, that might be true, but, you know, it doesn't mean you can go out and, uh, uh, you know, act foolish or, you know, not trust in science. So, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to include this part, but I just thought for kicks. <laughs> uh, so they got it on your arm. You shared a, a photo on social media that uh, you want to describe uh, for our audio listeners, like where... Yeah, we, we, I have a of, of, of an Aztec warrior, and the and the nurse decided to be funny. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but um, he uh, he did it right on the face, you know. And it was just like had the whole bandaid on, and then it was just it was just funny. It was just really funny. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I was just grateful to to have gotten it. 
no, we're we're definitely keeping that part, uh, that answer. That's that's awesome. No, uh, again, Alejandro, thank you for yeah, for coming right. back on. Um, again, we we wish the best to you. Uh, and and thanks for being an advocate for for your first your experiences, but for the vaccine and and hopefully people can um you know be a little more positive uh to the future because you've already been through a lot of the negative. Thank you very much. So you've just heard La Raza Chronicle's first collaboration with Radio Teco. You can find Radio Teco, which is a project of Acción Latina in collaboration with El Tecolote, the Bay's oldest bilingual newspaper. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Radio Teco. You can find it on anywhere that you can find podcasts. And this last segment that we heard, our first episode launching this collaboration, was an interview with Alejandro Galicia Diaz. This interview was conducted by Monty Rossetti, who is the director of audiovisual with Radio Teco and Acción Latina, and Alexis Terrazas, who is the editor-in-chief of El Tecolote. The music that you heard is by Walter Rojas of Citadel Productions, and the logo, once you check out this awesome production, is by Josue Rojas. So we are very honored to feature this ongoing collaboration. Don't forget to check them out. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros esta noche here on Crónicas de la Raza. If you have any segment ideas or you want to get involved with our show, you can email us at La Raza Chronicles, L-A-R-A-Z-A Chronicles, C-H-R-O-N-I-C-L-E-S at kpfa.org. If you know of events we should be highlighting, actions we should be highlighting, or if you'd want to be a part of this collective in any way, let us know. And you can access us, listen to us on our archives at kpfa.org. You can listen to us on soundcloud.org. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And please, please stay in touch. Y por favor, cuídense. And we hope everyone continues to fight for justice and stays strong in these moments of struggle. Buenas noches.